Hello, and welcome to the Healthy Balanced Birth and Beyond podcast. I'm Olivia, your host, and on this podcast, we will talk about everything related to the journey to conceive, pregnancy, labor, birth, postpartum, parenthood, and beyond. This is a safe space where birth professionals, birthing people, expected parents, and partners can come on and share their knowledge or personal experiences with our listeners. The goal of this podcast is to create connections, share stories, information, and resources to educate and empower people in their own personal journey. Hello, listeners. Welcome back to this week's episode of the Healthy Balanced Birth and Beyond podcast. Today, I have an awesome mama friend with me, Megan. Uh, We actually connected on Instagram, and she is very like-minded to me, and I was drawn to some of the posts she shared about holistic health and motherhood and her boys and pregnancy and birth and everything. Um, So welcome to the podcast, Megan. Thank you so much for joining us. Would you like to share a bit about you with everybody? Sure. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to talk about this. So um, yeah, I, gosh, I don't, I'm, I guess I'm a baby wife. Um, I am pregnant now with our third baby, who is our third boy, which is just crazy. (laughs) Um, So we're in the middle of like getting ready for baby who's due in early May. And then we're also moving in a couple weeks. So I feel like my life is just crazy right now. But um, yeah, I just really love sharing about, you know, holistic health, but really like pregnancy and birth and motherhood and um, just kind of my personal experience of just everything that I've learned know kind of in this space yeah yeah and I think it's I think that's one of the really awesome things about social media and Instagram is being able to connect with other mothers especially when like we're living in the time that we're living in right now where everybody feels so lonely and isolated and you can feel like that in the postpartum outside of this so having the ability to be able to talk to people, whether it's just like sending DMs at like one in the morning or whatever, um, just being able to connect with people. And I think so much of what you've shared is so important and we'll hop into that like later on in the podcast, but um, it's just important and it, these things need to be talked about. And I'm grateful that you use your platform to do that because that's how you and I connected. And I think it's awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much. I mean, I feel the same way about you. I feel like I've learned so much from you um, that it's really kind of, you know, empowered me on my journey as well. So, oh, well, that's really nice to hear. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Um, So, yeah, we're going to hop in and we're going to talk about your first pregnancy and your birth. Um, Yeah. So, I'd love to hear about like what your experience was when you first became pregnant and then everything from there. Yeah, so my husband and I kind of threw on the idea of starting to try for a family, and he was actually getting ready to go on a deployment, and so we were kind of figuring out, okay, when are we going to do this? Because if we, you know, start trying when we were started the conversation that he could be gone, so we're like, do we wait until it gets closer so that he can be home? But then we were like, well, what if it takes us a long time to get pregnant? Because you just never know. Right. So we just kind of rolled the dice and we were like, okay, well, we'll just start trying now. And if it happens, it happens and we'll deal with you being gone. And if it takes us, you know, we had, I think, six or seven months at that point until he was going to leave. So we're like, you know, if it takes us a little bit of while, we, you know, we have a little bit of time kind of saved in there. And then, you know, if it I get pregnant 
right before he leaves, then he'll be home because I think he was uh, leaving for seven months. Gotcha. Okay. And of course, we got pregnant the second month trying. <laughs> um, so I think it was like August and he was leaving in January. So he left like right at the beginning of my third trimester. Oh my gosh. And came home seven months later. So our first son was born that April and he came home in August. That is so, so wild. Yeah. So luckily I, you know, lived near my parents. My parents lived 15 minutes down the road from us. So my mom was there for everything. She okay. was the one who attended my birth. So I wasn't alone, which, you know, I'm very grateful for, but Right. It was definitely a, an experience, you know, not having him there for that. My dad was retired Navy now, but he was still in the Navy then. And um, luckily he, you know, knew the people on the boat that Levi was on. And so he made all the phone calls for me. So I didn't have to worry about any of that, which was really nice. So he's like, I'm emailing him. Hey, I'm on my way to the hospital. <laughs> and then, you know, and I, you know, Felix was born very, very fast. I think... I my labor was eight hours long. Oh, wow. I got to the hospital like a little bit after five in the morning, and he was born at seven o'clock. So okay, That's... it was you know within two hours. I was emailing him. I'm headed to the hospital. And then you have a son. Like oh, it was just such a fast turnaround that he was like got emails back to back. But um, like I said, my dad was able to get in contact with someone on the boat who got him. So I was able to talk to him on the phone a couple times. So that was nice. But. Yeah, yeah it, was, it was a little bit crazy. No, that's, I mean, I'm glad that you're sharing part of your story because I also had a really fast birth and it was your first mm -hmm. birth that you're talking about right now. And I yeah. also had a really fast first birth. And I feel like a lot of the time when we have a birth like that, and did you have, like, how was your labor and birth itself? Was it, how was it for you? I think overall it was a really positive experience. Okay. Um, like I said, I went into labor, it was maybe like 11 o'clock that night. Okay. And I had actually been doing something that evening and was out with like my mom and a couple of our mutual friends. We like went to a late dinner. Okay. We're sitting at dinner and I was like, started having contractions. And so I'm like timing my contractions under the table, trying not to draw attention to myself. Oh and my gosh. at midnight I looked at my mom and I was like, I need to go home. I need to go So home. I went home and I, you know, labored there. I was, I had a doula. Yeah. who I oh, had okay. actually was a friend of mine. So I was texting her, like, what should I do? And she was like, well, just go home. It doesn't sound too bad. And I'm a person who has a very high pain tolerance. So mm -hmm. I can be like, oh, yeah, it feels fine when really, like, I'm probably almost in transition. <laughs> so she was like, well, just get in the shower. You'll be fine. And then I think it was, like, 3 o'clock in the morning, I texted my mom and was like, or I was messaging my doula, and I was like, okay, my contractions are, like, five minutes apart. And she was like, okay, you need to text your mom. So yeah. I, my mom came over and I think I had two contractions within, like from the time it took me to answer the door to the time it took me to walk back to my bedroom and like sit on the bed again. <laughs> and so she was like, okay, well we got to go. So yeah, it's, I mean, I, like I said, feel like I had a very positive experience laboring at home. That was kind of my goal because okay. I knew I didn't want any drugs, any intervention, anything mm -hmm. like that. So um, I planned on trying to labor at home as long as possible. So once it got to the point where it was like, okay, this is like it's serious. Coming. I'm going to run out of time. Um, we went to the hospital and um, I walked in and the nurse was amazing. And she was like, you know, looked at all my paperwork and she was like, so no epidural. And I said, that's planned. She said, okay, awesome. And my doula showed up maybe about 30 minutes after we got there and 
I, yeah, just got to labor on my own pretty much. Um, they got me one of those little peanut balls and I was just kind of, mm -hmm. you know, getting comfortable. The OB popped by because at that time I was seeing an OB. So I just, it was whoever was on call that night. Right. So he kind of poked his head in and he was like, Hey, how's it going? And we're like, we're good. And he was like, do you want me to try to break your water? And at that point I'm like laboring. I'm like, and it's my first baby, so I have no idea, right? Yeah. So for a lot of things, I just kind of looked at my my doula, and I was like, "What do you think?" <laughs> and which I didn't say, but as she could tell by the look on my face, yeah. And she was like, "No, we'll wait." And I knew that was something I didn't want, but I think yeah. just in the process of laboring, I it was I couldn't really vocalize it, right? So he was like, "Okay, I'll come back." And then I think it was maybe an hour later I was pushing, yeah. And then I pushed for I think another forty five minutes, and then. He was, born. was born. Oh my yep. gosh. Yeah. I just, it's so refreshing to hear you talk about your birth and talk about how you had planned to labor at home and you mm. had planned to not have a whole bunch of medical interventions and not to say that that's not an option for everybody. Like every birth is different. Every situation is different, but when you have a plan in your mind, um, it's, it can make or break your birth. Like it can change it. And I think one thing that I've spent a lot of time talking to people about and I've talked to other doulas and moms about is like we spend so much time preparing for the baby's nursery and what clothes they're going to wear and this and that and X, Y, and Z. But like people don't really think about what they want their labor to look like, what they want their birth to look like, what they want their postpartum to look like. So knowing that you had that set up and knowing that that was your mindset and also having your doula and having your mom there who also knew the, that these are the things that you wanted is super important. Because like you said, when you're in that moment and you are in full-blown labor, you're not going to want to stop and be like, okay, let me answer this question. Or if you don't know what they're talking about, like if somebody came in, like say an OB came in and asked somebody if they wanted to break their waters like you talked about, but they didn't know what that meant. And then mm -hmm. they have to think about it and try and process it. It's just like, it's craziness. So it's nice to hear that you had these things planned out and you had the support for the times where you felt like you needed someone to just speak up for you so you could focus. Well, and, yeah. And that was really the thing, I think, with it being my first baby, I had tried to educate myself as much as possible, but mm -hmm. there's so many like nitty gritty details that go into birth mm -hmm. that you don't even think about. So yep. when they come up, you're like, oh, I have no idea. <laughs> so I was, yeah, I was. That's why I decided to hire a doula, especially because my husband wasn't there. So it's like, I need a support person. Right. You know, my mom is amazing and she, you know, is like, whatever you want to do, I'll back you up. But mm -hmm. I wanted someone there who was more knowledgeable than me, who I could kind of look to to direction or direction. So yeah. I would definitely recommend if you can hiring a doula, especially if it's your first baby. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I recommend the same thing. Like I am so a doula helpful. and I before I, I think it was literally like the week that I found out I was pregnant I was like I'm hiring a doula <laughs> because yeah. I found that when even before I was pregnant I started listening to like podcasts like trying to find podcasts about like holistic births and like pregnancy and postpartum I was trying so hard to find all these things and I couldn't find what I was looking for so then I was like you know what I'm just gonna find a doula who can help me who can help help me find resources that I'm looking for that because I felt like I was doing all this digging and I was having a difficult time finding it so like you said having somebody who has been there who's seen it has seen all different types of births and knows all about everything in the birth space is important but also like you said educating yourself on those things and the things that matter to you is super super important as well yeah absolutely 
Um, so yeah, I would love to hear about what your postpartum was like for with your first son. Um, because I find like everyone that I've talked to, when you go from like one to two, it's just so, so different. So I would love for you to share a bit about that with us. Yeah, I, it's crazy because it's such a blur now and he is, he's going to be four in a few months. So I'm like, oh my my gosh, gosh. do I like even remember what it was like? But, um, I think the hardest part for postpartum with him was that I was alone in the evenings. Okay. You know, like I said, my, my parents live very close. And so I was over at their house pretty much every day. So I had, you know, lots of help and lots of support throughout the day, but at night I would take him home and it would just be me and him. Yeah. Which you know, even with our second, it was kind of always just me and the baby at night because I'm the one that's up nursing. And, right. you know, my husband and I kind of had this agreement where he has to get up and go to work in the morning and I'm at home with the kids. So mm-hmm. it's like, I'm okay. And I know a lot of people want that support through the night and it's different for everybody. And I feel like you just kind of have to find, you know, your groove with your partner and what mm-hmm. works best for your family. So that was just what worked for us. The second time around when he was home, um, we kind of agreed that, you know, he would get up and go to work and I would be up with the baby in the night because mm-hmm. during the day when hopefully the kids napped, I could take a nap. But yeah, um, yeah. so the first time around he was gone. And so it was just me. And I think even though I would have been the only one to get up, just being by myself made a difference. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that makes sense. Just like being alone in the house with a new baby, being a first time yeah. mom. Um, and I don't think I suffered any sort of postpartum depression or anything like that, but I definitely had times that were more stressful. Um, I kind of, you know, with my first and a little bit more with my second had some of that postpartum rage where things would trigger Mm -hmm. me and make me angry. Right. Um, and so I struggled with that a little bit, but I think, um, like I said, it was much more the second time around. So, um, yeah, like it's such a blur. It's so hard to remember exactly. Oh no, it's okay. What just... happened? But um, I think for the most part, it was positive. And like I said, he, my husband, came home um, when Felix, our first, was four months old. And so after that, it was like everything changed. And then you yeah. had to kind of adjust and figure out like where he was fitting in because I was doing it by myself for the first few months. Um, so that was interesting and yeah. um, kind of it was me more letting go of a lot and learning how to ask for help more because I was doing everything by myself. And so it was like, kind of like, oh yeah, he's here. I have help now and I can kind of let go a little bit. Yeah. Um, So there was kind of that learning curve too. Yeah. And it's, I think it's important to remember too, that like there's so many different transitions that are going to be happening. Like Mm -hmm. you're transitioning into your role as a mom and what like you even what you were mentioning going from a mom of one to a mom of two it's like that's another transition and then finding that middle ground with your partner um to figure out what works best for you guys is what's important and i think that there's so much talk about like well this is what works best for us so this is what you guys should do but like like you said if you're home with the boys and you feel comfortable being up at night and you're nursing and you're fine with that then that's fine you know and i think I'm glad that you touched on the fact that those type of things are important to figure out what works best for you and not listen to the outside noise. Um, And also, too, I appreciate you mentioning like the postpartum rage because I feel like a lot of people are hesitant 
to discuss that, to talk about that. And I've talked about it once or twice before on the podcast. And then I had people reaching out to me, asking me about it or saying that they had experienced something similar. And I think there's this part of motherhood where like we feel like ashamed to like talk about the fact that we have these emotions, which is like crazy, but that's just part of motherhood, I feel like. Yeah, definitely. And like I said, I had it, I think I experienced it more the second time around. And I don't know exactly, like, I don't, I don't think anyone really knows why it yeah. happens, you know, when it does or how it does. But um, it would mostly be like when I was alone with him or like in the middle of the night nursing and he would just not go back to sleep or like yeah. wake up a million times and I would just get so angry. And I know that it wasn't his fault and it wasn't mm-hmm. my fault that I was angry. It's just for whatever reason that was like the emotional trigger in yeah. me. And yeah. yeah, and it's hard because it is, you do feel shame because you don't want to be angry at your baby because you're like, they're just a baby. They're like, they don't know anything. They're I just know. like something, whether that's food or, you know, just emotional support from you as their mom. But um, yeah, I, I wish I could, you know, know exactly what that trigger was for me. But um, I've really been trying to let go of, carrying any shame or guilt for it because like I know I it was something I really had no control over yeah and I think the other thing too that people don't really talk about that much there's definitely more discussion about it now it's just that like all of the different hormones that you are fluctuating throughout your body like during pregnancy during birth but especially after like during the postpartum period after you give birth Um, And they continue to fluctuate, especially if you're breastfeeding. And I mean, they're constantly changing. And so therefore your emotions are going to be doing the same exact thing. Um, Yeah, absolutely. And there was also too, I have to find it. There was this study that I read about our brains and how our brains literally change. Like once you become a mom, it's the coolest thing. Um, I'll see if I can find it to include in the show notes, but there are so many different layers that go into motherhood outside of just having a new baby. So I'm glad that you brought that to this conversation. <laughs> no, thanks. Um, so yeah, would you mind sharing a little bit about what your second pregnancy and birth was like? Yeah. So, um, our second, we got pregnant with him. I think Felix was like 13 months old because okay. they're just under two years apart. Okay. Um, and it was another like, you know, oh, we want to have a second baby. And when it happens, it happens. And of course, it just happened. <laughs> um, and I was very fortunate that, you know, I was with my first two, I was able to get pregnant very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so he, I mean, our my second pregnancy was like very smooth. I actually had found a midwife this time around, which I really wanted um, since I couldn't have that with my first. I tried to see a midwife with him, but I had switched. I was switching from an OB to a midwife and they were just, everyone was already full because I was oh, like 14 weeks. Gotcha. Okay. So at this point I knew from the beginning, I want to have a midwife and the midwife that I saw did practice. She was part of a practice and did, um, you know, attend births in a hospital, but the hospital here where I had him, they like have a couple rooms that have birthing tubs and they're very like naturally minded friendly um, mm-hmm. for moms who like want to go that route. Yeah, mom and baby so, friendly. Yeah, thank you. I was like looking for the work. <laughs> um, 
so yeah, I had, you know, another very smooth pregnancy with him. And um, he came um, eight days early. I don't know if I said my first was four days early for oh, no. his due date, okay. which we know due dates are totally arbitrary anyway. But right. um, he decided to come just over a week early. And of course, it was the day before my mom was planning to fly out here oh to gosh. come stay with our first. <laughs> I was like, you couldn't have just waited a day. So we were like scrambling to find a babysitter. Because I wanted, I mean, I think maybe I started labor like mid morning. I don't, it's so hard to tell because I was like, I think I'm having contractions, but like they don't really feel like much. So I think, you know, maybe it's just gonna, you know, happen within the next couple days. I was like, it's probably just really bad Braxton Hicks. And I put Felix down for a nap and I was like, I'm just gonna get in the bathtub and they'll probably go away. Mm -hmm. And of course they didn't go away. So. <laughs> Finally, it was like three o'clock and I'm like draped over the back of the couch having contractions and I messaged my husband and I was like, all right, I think I'm really in labor. I think you need to come home. Because I, I had been like telling him like, I think I'm having contractions, but like it doesn't really hurt. So like, I think I'm okay. And so finally that afternoon, I was like, okay, like this is real. And I texted my midwife. I was like, you know, updating her as well. And after I messaged him, I messaged my midwife and I was like, okay, I think like I'm having contractions that are again, like five minutes apart. Mm -hmm. And she was like, okay, go ahead and come in. So, um, my husband drove us to the hospital. We got there. It was maybe five o'clock in the evening, which is so funny that they're born, you know, right around the same time of day, yeah. but like 12 hours apart. Right. Again, got there around five o'clock, but it was in the evening and, um, he was born, like right before seven o'clock. Wow. So I like got there, they were like getting me in the gown and they were like, okay, I need you to go leave, like change into your hospital gown and leave us a urine sample. And when I did that, like my mucus plug came out. So <laughs> I was like, okay, this is real. And then, you know, I, they're like getting everything set up. And then finally the nurse, I'm, you know, on the little birthing ball and then they get me in the bed to check me. And they're like, okay, you're like, Eight, eight, I was think I was like eight to nine centimeters or something. Mm -hmm. And so they're like, okay, yeah, this is really happening. And um, <laughs> yeah, I, I think I pushed for like 10 minutes with him. Um, but wow. I was um, groupie strep positive with both my pregnancies. Okay. And so with my first, I think I got, I had no idea like about the antibiotics, like anything. I hadn't educated myself about them. Mm -hmm. So with my first, I got one round of the antibiotics. So they just kept us for 24 hours to monitor him. Okay. And with um, my second, my midwife was like, yeah, we're not even going to bother. Like by the time we get you, try to get you on it, like you're already going to have a baby. So um, since I didn't get them at all, um, I had, he had to stay and be monitored for, I think 48 hours or it was some, I don't know. We ended up staying he was born Friday night and we didn't leave the hospital till Monday afternoon. Oh, so you were there for a while. So we were there for a few days because okay. they had to monitor him and um, everything, which I don't know if I could have changed anything being at a hospital setting, um, you know, being much more educated now, I know like I would have opted out of the antibiotics anyway, Right. Um, which they probably would have still kept us there that long. Right. Um, but it was definitely an interesting experience because he had to have like the little, was it Heplock or whatever yeah. on his hand? Yeah, Heplock. Yeah. Um, and you know he scratched up his poor face with it. I felt so bad. And <laughs> they're you know, test giving him like a little heel prick test every so often, and they just had to keep checking his temperature like every hour, like the first twenty four hours. 
So just to make sure that he didn't have an infection, which I mean, I knew he was going to be fine, but, um, so that part was hard just having to stay in the hospital for so long, Yeah, um, which I think really affected us then coming home. It was just, you know, we kind of entered into a stressful environment. Um, and I think maybe that is what kind of triggered everything being so difficult once we got home. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, we had a more difficult time breastfeeding. Um, and of course our lactation consultant, the one they have on staff at the hospital didn't show up until I was discharged, like literally about to walk out the door. <laughs> and so luckily I had, you know, I nursed my first for just over a year. So I kind of already knew what I was doing, but we had a little bit of latch issues that I was kind of, you know, left to figure out on my own. Yeah. Um, and so it kind of, it made the postpartum period with him a little bit more difficult. Um, but yeah, I mean, we got through it and I kind of, you know, I was fortunate enough to nurse him again for a year, Wow! but the first, you know, a few weeks were definitely hard. Yeah. And especially like, like you said, you're entering into, you were at the hospital longer than you expected and you wanted to be back home with your boy, with both of your sons, not just one. And then you're dealing with being there longer and latching issues and your um, lactation consultant not being there when they were supposed to. So um, it's just like you said, it's like our our bodies are so impacted by everything and our babies can feel all those things. And so it's so hard because we're trying to manage the emotions and the hormones and everything fluctuating and being a new mom. And then also you had the, on top of just having a baby, you're coming home to your other son and they were probably super, super excited to see you. And I mean, it's just such a transition period and there's so many different seasons. And like we said before, there's so many different layers. So you did an amazing job. (laughs) Well, thank you. Yeah, we survived. We got through it and you know, it was, I think the first couple months were hard because I just didn't feel, I didn't feel the same bonding experience that I did the first time around. And I don't know if it's just because like our hospital experience was crazy and then um, coming home and already having a toddler at home. Um, But it was once we kind of got out of the fog of the first few months, um, it was amazing, you know, having, you know, I love having two boys that are close in age. So, and they're so, so precious. You guys are going to have to go look at her Instagram because they're the cutest little things. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Um, so yeah. And then since they're so close in age, I'd love to hear a little bit about like them bonding, like their relationship as brothers. They, I think have like a typical brother relationship. Um, Felix was really excited when we first brought Riker home and especially once he got to be, you know, maybe four to six months mm-hmm. and, you know, wasn't such a like baby, baby, babies aren't breakable, but you know what I mean? <laughs> he wasn't so fragile yeah. and he could actually interact with him more. And I could just kind of lay Riker down on his little play mat and they could play together. Yeah. Um, and there, you know, Felix is just such, he is such a sweet soul. Yeah. He has his moments. He's in, you know, first child kind of, you know, likes to be a little bit selfish sometimes, but I feel like all kids are, all toddlers are like that. They just kind of, you know, and so especially now that they're almost two and four, um, they play together. They fight a lot, but they play together a lot. And it's really fun. Um, especially in the moments when they're being really sweet to each other. Um, I just, I don't know. I love having them close in age and just getting to watch them 
grow up together. It's a lot of, you know, telling them to take turns or share or <laughs> yeah. don't take that toy from your brother. <laughs> but um, when, you know, we go out in the backyard and they're just like digging in the dirt together, it's the best. Yeah. And I also feel like do a lot of the moms that I've talked to, like, they said that, like, despite, like, all the fighting and backing and forth between their the siblings, their, between their children, they're, like, there are so many times where they're just playing together and it's so nice and it's so sweet to watch. Or, like, when I really need to do something, they're playing with each other and it just makes it so much easier. <laughs> Not all oh, the yeah. time, but sometimes. Yeah. And, well, that's nice because I can just, like, put a bunch of paper and crayons on the table and be, like, here, you guys color. And they'll, you know... I'll watch them share colors back and forth where one of them's like, I want the pink crayon. And then one's like, Oh, here you go, brother. Like, you know, it's just, it's so cute the way they talk to each other too. And, um, you know, we're really trying to teach them to say sorry. That's kind of something we're working on right now. Mm -hmm. So especially when my, my almost two year old does this little, sorry, brother. Like it just, it melts (laughs) my heart. (laughs) And he doesn't, you know, he doesn't even when he hasn't done something wrong, just, but it's so sweet and just, I love watching them together. I know. Oh, my gosh. So how are you feeling about, like, well, I, I guess I feel like we should talk about your all of your pregnancies before we go into your current pregnancy. So mm-hmm. do you want to share a little bit about that today? Yeah, I'm totally fine sharing about that. Okay. Yeah. yeah so by all means. Yeah. So um, we found out we were pregnant with our third baby last week. Christmas. So it was like the day before Christmas Eve. Um, my parents were in town and we had like rented a little house um, down by the beach on base here. And um, I took a pregnancy test and it was positive. And so it was really fun, you know, that day to get to share with not only my husband, but my parents that we were expecting another baby. And then um, when I was about seven weeks pregnant, well, no, it was actually the day that I turned seven weeks pregnant. Um, I woke up and started bleeding a little bit. And so I called my midwife's office and asked them about it. And they were like, oh, well, you know, a little bit of bleeding can be totally normal. Like just kind of monitor it throughout the day and see what happens. And um, by like late afternoon to dinner time, it started getting more like period bleeding. And I was like, okay, like I don't think I was kind of trying to tell myself throughout the day, like this is fine, this is normal, like everything's going to be okay. And then once it got to be a little bit heavier, I feel like I just knew. I was like, this isn't, something's not right. Yeah. And so after we had dinner and we put the boys to bed, I called them again, which of course they were closed and it was just their emergency line because I didn't really, I feel like I knew I should go to the emergency room, but I just needed someone to tell me to go. Yeah. Um, So I called them and they were like, yeah, you just need to go to the emergency room. So I did and, they did a bunch of ultrasounds and blood tests and all that stuff. And they were, they were like, yeah, you're having a miscarriage was pretty much what they left me with. Um, and I think I, um, passed our baby while I was in the ER. So I haven't, this is something I haven't really talked about, but, um, they had, you know, what they call quote unquote tissue, but is, you know, the baby. And, um, they kind of had it on like a little table, and so when everyone left the room, I actually got to see it, which oh um, I'm, I'm actually grateful for. I feel like it gave me a lot of closure and it wasn't, um, I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. It's, it might seem weird to some people, but I'm actually really glad yeah. um, that I experienced that. Um, but yeah, basically after that, they sent me home and I bled 
you know, like period bleeding for right. about a week. Um, yeah. I'm so sorry. And then, I know it's, I mean, I don't know from personal experience, but I have a lot of friends and people that I know who have experienced it. And I'm so sorry. Oh, thank you. I think it was, you know, I'm one of those people that I don't really get emotional in front of other people. So of course, like the nurses and the doctor, they're like, oh, you seem to be handling this really well. And I'm like, that's just because you're a stranger. And I don't really cry in front of strangers. Mm-hmm. So I'm just like, oh yeah. And I was, you know, trying to be really positive while I was there. And I was like, well, you know, I'm just grateful for my two boys at home, which, you know, is something you tell yourself. Yeah. Um, but it would be in the moments where I was, you know, by myself, where I would really, you know, get emotional and kind of let myself, you know, be free to feel my feelings. Right. Um, and then just talking about it openly, you know, I've, I think I've been pretty open about it on social media. I was going to say, yeah. Um, that helps a lot just because I know I'm not alone and I'm not bottling up all those feelings and, um, I just, I don't want any other mom to feel ashamed to talk about it or mm-hmm. like she's alone in her experience. Mm-hmm. So I feel like that's really kind of motivated me to be more open about it. And that has helped a lot in the healing as well. Yeah. I was, I was literally just as you were saying that just sharing and knowing that you're not alone and knowing that other people are reading it. I feel like it's kind of like therapeutic, you know, yeah, like writing sure. about writing about these things and having other people be like, oh my gosh, I experienced something similar or even asking questions about it. Um, I think it's important. And I remember when people were talking about like oversharing on Instagram and social media and X, Y, and Z. And I mean, I think it's up to you to decide what you want to share. Um, and then I also think that it's a really big generational thing to talk about miscarriage and like if you look at our parents and you look at our grandparents they like I've learned things now being 30 years old that I like I have family members who had miscarriages and I never knew about it because mm-hmm. they just didn't talk about it it was just like something that people were ashamed to talk about or didn't feel comfortable talking about or just didn't want to talk about but like looking now and like seeing how many people talk about it Like, I'm sure that they could have used that support when they went through it. Oh, absolutely. And I know um, my mom actually miscarried between her second and third pregnancies, too. So it was just crazy that, like, we've both experienced that. So it's so wild. Mm -hmm. I also, and it's so common. So for people not to talk about it, I feel like it's it's really hard to open up about it. But I feel like because it does happen to so many women, we kind of need to talk about it more. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I absolutely agree. And I think it's, I think it's important. And I think that the big, at the end of the day, like you don't want to feel like you're alone and Mm -hmm. you want to be able to talk to people who have not like who have experienced it and they know what it's like, but just like, so you can express those emotions and they'll understand because they've been through it. Absolutely. And I feel like there was so much that I, I didn't know, which of course it's not something that you really want to learn about before it happens to you. But then once it does, you're like, I wish I knew, like I, you know, people talk about miscarriage and some, I feel like sometimes you get this idea in your head that it's like a one-time event. Yeah. It happens and then it's over, but it's like, no, it happens. It's several days. And in some cases, several weeks. And, um, yeah, so I, there was a lot that I, I wish I knew afterward, but I don't know how you would, could prepare yourself for something like that. Right. So, yeah. Yeah, and I think that that's a lot of the, the time what happens when it when it comes to, like, things within the pregnancy and birth 
and postpartum space. Like you don't think to research things and to look into them until you experience them, until you want to learn more about it so you you can try new things or change something. Um, And I think that's where I think you and I connected on, on another level is that like we are so open about doing our own research and encouraging people to do their own research because like you said, if you don't know these things, then I mean, you don't know them. I mean, there's no, there's no other way to say it. Yeah. Um, so I'm very, very sorry for the loss of your baby. Um, Thank you. And thank you for being so open about it and for sharing your story. And I know that you have already been so open about it on social media. And I know that many, many people appreciate that. And I know that people who are listening along are going to appreciate that as well. Well, I hope so. I think there's always a thought in the back of your mind where you're like, am I sharing too much? Yeah. Like, am I being too open about it? Are people going to judge me for sharing this? Are people tired of hearing about it? But it's like, I, I don't know. I just got to the point where I was like, I know there's someone out there who needs to hear about it. So I'm just going to talk about it. And you know, everyone's level of comfort is different. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, hearing different stories is really important and not just when it comes to pregnancy loss, but, you know, motherhood and pregnancy and everything in general. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like I'm okay being maybe a little bit of an oversharer because, <laughs> you know, there's probably someone out there who needs to hear it, or yeah. at least I hope so. Yeah. And it's like, I feel like you said, like everyone has their different levels of comfortability with what they want to share. And that's totally fine. It's your, it's your choice. It's your social media platform. But I know for me personally, like there were so, there are so many accounts that like I just read something and it just like hits me in my soul. And I'm like, oh my God, like thank you for, for saying this. Thank you for sharing this. Like I've been feeling this way. And mm-hmm. I know that people are probably doing the same exact things with everything that you're sharing. And, and not only that, but like learning things and also opening up these discussions and these conversations about things that people might not know about um and maybe they don't know about them yet but they then they read something that you share or something that I share and then they want to learn more yeah exactly and I feel like I there's still so much that I don't know that I'm still learning right. and so I'm really just trying to share like here's all the things here's what I've experienced personally and then here's everything that I'm learning and whether someone learns something from it or like you said takes that information and then you know decides to dive deeper into it on their own. Um, if I could just really, you know, motivate or inspire somebody to just dig a little bit deeper for themselves, you know, that's really kind of my goal. Right. Like it's just like planting a seed, you know, Mm -hmm. like people will see it and if they want to learn more about it, they can, if they don't, they don't have to, it's their choice. Exactly. Um, so can we talk about like your, your pregnancy now and how you're feeling about it and how you're feeling about becoming a mom to three boys? Um, cause I feel like you must have all different types of feelings about it. Oh my gosh. I feel like it's just going to be a crazy house <laughs> once we have three, but, uh, we kind of decided a long time ago that we wanted a big family. Okay. And so, you know, who knows we, if we're blessed with another baby after this, we would love it. Um, but we're kind of take everything as we go. So it's like, I feel like it's going to be crazy, but we're welcoming the craziness. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, I am, I think 23 weeks now, I don't know, third pregnancy or like, well, I don't even know (laughs) what it is anymore. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But I think I'm around 23 weeks now. And, um, 
I am finally feeling good. Yeah. <laughs> if you would have asked me my first trimester, I'm like, oh my gosh, I feel like I'm dying. I know. Which is crazy because with my first two, I didn't really experience any morning sickness. Oh. I had, you know, kind of like the nausea thing where I just didn't feel great and the food aversions. But this time around, I was, you know, getting, I wasn't throwing up every morning, but I was doing the like dry heaving thing because yeah. my stomach was empty. I had nothing to throw up. And that lasted until, gosh, like just maybe a month ago. It was oh, wow. like well into my second trimester. And so I was totally convinced that this baby was a girl because <laughs> I was like, this pregnancy is so different. Like, I just feel different. I'm way more sick. Um, it just felt nothing like my first two. Yeah. And so I was like, this is, which I know in my head that symptoms mean absolutely nothing. <laughs> but I was like, well, maybe. maybe. And not that we wanted a girl. I mean, we would welcome, you know whatever baby we have right. in our lives. Um, I think it would be fun, but of course, you know, we're happy with, you know, I think everybody says they just want a healthy baby and that's, you know, totally true for us. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I had my ultrasound a few weeks ago and she was like, oh yeah, it's definitely a boy, which all of my boys, that was the story. They're like, there's no mistake. That's a boy. In there. That's a boy. <laughs> and so I think I was a little bit shocked at first just because I had thought in my mind, well, I feel like it's a girl this time. It was definitely not a girl. So that is so funny. I just kind of had to let go of that, um, you know, the possibility of maybe having a girl and two boys. But now we're going to have three boys and we're, you know, absolutely over the moon excited about it. Yeah. And I think having, you know, now three brothers growing up together is just going to be so fun because they'll all be about, you know, two years apart. Right. Um, so, yeah, because my oldest will be four in April and our baby's due beginning of May. But since all my babies come early, I'm kind of betting on a late April baby again. That's so funny. So, we'll see. Who knows? I mean, this could baby could be late. You never know. I know. And then so since you're moving, you're not going to be giving birth in the same place, right? Like in Right. The same- so I have – yeah. So I am seeing – I think I see my midwife for the last time here in a couple weeks – and then we moved the last week of this month. Okay. But we'll see her like the week before we move. Oh my god. Which she was so she was devastated. And I am too. I've really grown to like her, which Aww. is you know, it's nice to have that relationship. Um when actually when I first showed up um for this pregnancy for my first appointment, mm-hmm. she was just so excited because of course she knew that we had lost our last baby. So she was so excited, and then she was like, did we make it in the window? Because she knew we were moving soon, and I was like, no, we're actually moving in January, and she was so bummed. But um, I actually already have a midwife set up um, where we're moving. Oh, awesome. So um, we are actually having either a home birth or a birth center birth. The midwife I'm seeing does both, and so she's a home birth midwife who also has a birth suite. Okay. And we haven't really decided which way we're going to go because we'll be living with my parents at the time. Oh, okay, so gotcha. I told my mom, I was like, do you care if I give birth in your house? And she's like, no, I don't care. <laughs> but we'll kind of see as things get closer um, what we decide to do. We might choose to, you know, get away from, you know, the kids and everything. And Yeah. Um, so I'm really excited about that because although I'm still seeing a midwife, it's going to be a completely different experience. Yeah. Um. So I'll start seeing her, you know, as soon as we move there in a few weeks, I'll kind of get, but we've been kind of emailing and in contact and she's been sending me, you know, info about a lot of things. And so yeah, I'm really excited about that. That's awesome. And yeah, I was just saying like thinking about how we were talking about like planning for things and like clearly you are planning it all out. And that's what's important is making sure that you guys have a plan in place. And then too, 
talking about like the difference between like home birth and then a birth center birth, I think it's awesome that you have options. Yeah, and especially because we don't really know what our housing situation is going to be like. So uh, when I found her, she was actually like the first midwife that I reached out to and we talked and I was like, okay, like I felt really good about her just from the beginning. I didn't really talk to any other midwives there, um, but because she had, you know, the option to do either was what really drew me to wanting to work with her. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I love that you're sharing that that piece about home birth, but also like birth center birth, because there are a lot of people who don't even know about birth centers, don't know about mom and baby friendly centers or areas within hospitals. Um, They have no idea. And then also some people are very afraid of home birth or want to learn more about it, but still a little bit hesitant about learning more or just the idea of it in general. So um, I love that you're sharing that too, because your experience with that will also open up conversations and discussions for other people once you have your third baby. Yeah. And it, you know, home birth is something that I've wanted to do ever since, you know, I was pregnant with my first baby, but, Mm -hmm. um, my husband was kind of wary about it because he's like, well, I don't want to pay for it. Like if our insurance, you know, our insurance will cover hospital birth. So I was like, okay, if I could, you know, still have the birth experience that I want in a hospital, then that's fine. And I did, you know, for the most part. Yeah. And then um, when we got pregnant this time around, it was, you know, in the middle of all the craziness going on in the world. And um, I was like, I'm not going to give birth in a hospital where they're going to make me do X, Y, and Z. I'm not going to be separated from my baby. Like I, you know, I'm I'm being very protective of my experience this time. Mm -hmm. And so he said, okay, do it. He's like, just find somebody. He's like, we'll pay for it. Like, just do it. So, And I think I'm glad that you shared that too, because um, there's also like a, sometimes like, I mean, granted, it depends on your insurance and it depends on the state you live in. Like there are a lot of things that go into it, but like home birth, a lot of the time is less expensive than a hospital birth, which a lot of people don't realize. Um, and if you can plan around that, or if you can budget around that, if you do it long, like in advance, far enough, far enough in advance, you can make it work. Um, and also to the policies that they're putting in place for mothers and for babies because of the current world situation has been something that I have been very, very concerned about since literally last March. And I, you can go back on my Instagram. Like I started talking about how worried I was about like the birth trauma that's going to come out of this because of these policies that they're putting in place that are not taking into consideration what's in the best interest of the mom and the baby. Um, And I'm glad that you share that because I feel the same exact way. Like I'm literally never giving birth in a hospital again. Like I I will not because of these stories. (laughs) No, I'm just because of these stories that and these policies that just keep coming up, I just won't do it. Yeah. No, I was going to say I feel exactly the same way. I think after this, I will probably never go back to birth in a hospital. Not that there's anything wrong. And I feel like, you know, a lot of times if we say things like that, people are like, oh, you're criticizing hospitals and hospital workers. And it's like, not at all. I feel like if you feel safer in a hospital and if that is what you want to do, then Mm -hmm. by all means, like, I don't think there's anything negative about it. There's nothing wrong with it. Like we all just have to make our own personal decisions. Absolutely. Um, But like you said, there are things now that are greatly impacting, you know, mothers and their birth experiences and, Mm -hmm. you know, the, your baby's experience as well. Mm -hmm. Because I feel like a lot of times we don't really think about how their birth impacts them like emotionally and physically too, because they carry that, you know, stress. Physically, but um, 
Yeah. Well, so going, I did want to touch on something real quick before oh, yes. I go for it. move on to that. When you were talking about um, paying for home birth in insurance. So uh, we obviously have military insurance because my husband is in the Navy. And mm-hmm. so our hospital births, I think, only ended up costing us, you know, a couple hundred dollars, which wow. you know, we're very grateful for. Um, but our home birth midwife actually does take our insurance. So oh, wow. it doesn't cover the majority of it, but it covers almost half of our home birth costs. So um, I just want to say to anyone who's listening, if you are thinking about having a home birth, um, definitely check with your insurance because they might cover it. Sometimes yeah. they'll reimburse you. Mm-hmm. Um, so we do still have to pay, you know, a significant amount more than we would if than if we birth in the hospital, but it's, you know, absolutely worth it to us. Yeah. But yeah, I would just check with your insurance because a lot of people think that they don't cover home birth at all, but some of them do. And yeah. I was actually surprised that our military insurance does. So Yeah, and it's and like you said, I I want everyone listening to know like I'm not telling you what you should or shouldn't be doing decision-wise with your birth. If you're if that's what you're comfortable with, go for it by all means. Um it's just like personal opinions and personal decisions and hearing like clients that I've worked with, like I've helped multiple people switch providers or I've literally called hospitals because these policies keep changing and then I have people sending me messages being like well this is what my provider told me is this true and then I call them and it's not true but these people these poor mothers are horrified because one person told them one thing and then the policy changed or the policy didn't change or so it's just like you said it's the importance of like knowing what your options are being aware of what they are and then making the best decision for you. That's what matters. Exactly. And I think a lot of people forget that our care providers work for us. We are the ones that hire them. (laughs) And so you can fire them. You can switch providers, even if you're 38, 39 weeks pregnant, Mm -hmm. like find somebody else. If you don't feel comfortable where you are, like I just want everyone to feel empowered to um, really fight for their the birth experience that they want. And of yes. course we know that things happen, things are going to come up. Not everything's going to go as planned because it's right. absolutely impossible to plan for birth, but I feel like all moms have things that they really want that they want to protect. Mm-hmm. And if you don't feel validated or heard by your care provider, find another one. Right. And I feel like a lot of women are like, "Oh no, this is my doctor. This is who I'm seeing." But it's like, "Nope, they they work for you." Yeah. They can't tell you what they can ask you. Do you want to do this? Do you want to do that? But they can't tell you. And so right. I'm so glad that you're able to you know, work with moms as well and kind of help them really navigate and find um, a hospital or a doctor or care provider that you know, we'll work with them. Too. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's important to, to remember that like you can, you can interview your OBs, your midwives, you can like, it's okay to do that. They're going to, they're going to be there for the birth of your baby. It's okay to do that. Um, and if you feel like you're not aligning with the one that you currently have, you can absolutely change at any point. And mm-hmm. so I'm glad that you that you shared that and touched on that because it is very important to remember. And it's very important for mothers and also partners, um, husbands to know as well. Well, and that was me, you know, with our first baby, I was seeing an OB and um, they delivered at a hospital that I researched their, their C-section rate was really high. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like glad that I knew to look into the hospital, look into their C-section rates, see, you know, kind of what their protocols are. Um, And so when I looked into it, I was like, I really don't want to birth in this hospital. Mm -hmm. So, um, 
like I said, I ended up switching. I asked a few friends because I knew the birth experience that I wanted to have and I wanted as little intervention as possible. So I had a few friends who were going to a certain practice that actually had both OBs and midwives and the hospital had a birthing center that the midwives worked at. So it was like right, a birthing center right, that was right. connected to the hospital. Mm -hmm. And that's where I really wanted to give birth, but it was too late in my pregnancy and they, you know, fill up super fast because gotcha. they take on less patients because, you know, the midwives attend. It's not like a hospital where you just see whoever's on call. It's mm -hmm. like your midwife attends your birth. Right. So they don't, they don't see as many people. So I switched a little bit too late and that was okay. Cause I was still, you know, at the practice and all that, but, um, yeah, I would just say like definitely like look into your care provider, their history, the wherever they birth, the hospital. Um, there's just a lot of things that I think we don't look into. We just kind of settle onto, um, you know, well, this is the so-and-so that I see. And it's mm -hmm. like, well, it doesn't necessarily have to be that way. Absolutely. So. Um, yeah. And I think I keep seeing it. I've on, seen it for a few years now, but people are talking about um, like how much money you spend on your wedding day and how much planning goes into that and then it comes to your birth and they're like oh like twelve hundred dollars for a doula is like too expensive and you're just like this is your this is your baby this is your birth this is a once in a lifetime experience just like your wedding was so this is important too and putting money into that is also important um yeah absolutely so are there any final words or pieces of advice that you'd like to leave people with today? Um, I feel like we've touched on a lot of it. It's I just, know. <laughs> um, really, you know, doing the research for yourself. There's so many resources out there now. Mm -hmm. um, and if you, especially for first time moms, um, I feel like we get a lot of like scary advice. Yeah. And so just making it a point to look into positive birth experiences too, because there's always that, oh, just you wait, things are going blah, blah, blah. And yep. it's like, well, no, I don't, I just don't want any mom to go into her birth fear, feeling afraid mm -hmm. or like she isn't in control of her body and her experience, which we know in birth, you're not really in control, <laughs> but um, I think you understand what I'm saying. Yes. And so just really, you know, seeking out positive stories as well just really figuring out what it is that you want mm -hmm. out of your experience um, and just protecting that as much as possible yeah and I think it's important I'm glad that you mentioned it again talking about like positive birth stories because I feel like even in you sharing your stories with me I didn't know that you had fast labors and births with your with your sons and I had a very fast labor and birth with my daughter and I felt like I was like hesitant to share that with people because my other friends who had babies around the same time, they had like 36 hour labors and it was really, really difficult. And then you like feel guilty for having like a positive uplifting story, but it's important to share those too. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, my mom was in labor with me for two days. So yeah. <laughs> I feel like I just, and I always thought, had that thought in my head. It was like, oh, I'm going to, you know, give birth just like my mom and I'm going to labor for a long time. And yep. nope, my boys were just like, I'm coming and I'm coming now. Yeah. And so I, I totally get what you're saying where you kind of feel a little bit guilty talking about, you're like, oh, well, I had a fast labor. And, you know, for the most part, mine were easy labors, but um, people need to know that that happens too, that not all labor is, you know, days long and super hard and right. super painful. It's There's so many variations of normal. Right. Absolutely. And it's good to, you know, hear about all of them. Yeah. Um, and I did want to touch on one thing before um, we 
talk, talk about where people can find you. You have a podcast that you're launching soon. Oh yeah, you just I went just live. Launched it the yes, I just launched it. Was it yesterday? Yeah, oh. yesterday. No, two days ago. Two days ago. <laughs> it was Wednesday. Yeah. Um, so yeah, do you want to tell everybody about that before we yeah. wrap up? So um, I just like. You said I just started a podcast called the Once Upon a Birth Podcast, and I really just wanted to create a space for moms to talk about their birth experience um, because I feel like we don't hear enough of every side of the story. Mm -hmm. It's like every time you hear about birth, it's either something totally terrible or like, oh, yeah, my baby just like slid out in one push. <laughs> so, but there's so much that happens in between, and I just don't. I feel like sometimes there's this stigma around certain things. And like you said, sometimes we feel ashamed to share part of our story because we don't know what people are gonna think about it. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, moms who even have traumatic birth experiences right. are afraid to talk about it. And I just really wanted to create a space where I could talk to moms from all different birthing experiences. Mm -hmm. um, and then also, you know, hopefully talk to people like you, like I'm so excited to have you on the podcast as I well. I can't wait. <laughs> to, share a little bit of education too. So I just want it to be a place where, you know, moms can listen in and feel, you know, a little bit of solidarity because maybe someone I talked to had a situation or an experience similar to theirs, mm -hmm. or they can feel a little bit more empowered in their own decision-making because mm -hmm. they can take away a little bit of knowledge as well. Yeah. Awesome. I'm so, so excited. I can't wait to listen. Thank um, you. But yeah, thank you for sharing your wisdom, all of your knowledge, your experience. Um, I know that so many people who are listening along with us are going to benefit so much from these conversations and may start doing their own research. Um, so can you share where people can find you? Yeah. So I am on Instagram at Meg Living Free. And like I said, my podcast is Once Upon a Birth. It is now on iTunes, which is super exciting. Um, I'm also on Amazon and um, Podbean. And yeah, pretty much everything is linked on my Instagram. So if you just, that's where I'm most active. So if you find me there, um, definitely reach out, shoot me a message. I love making new friends. So I would love to talk to people. But, yeah. 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 And I will include everything in the show notes just in case anybody's listening along and wants to just look it up real quick. Um, but thank you so, so much for having this conversation and for being so open and raw and vulnerable and all of the things. Um, I so appreciate these conversations. They are awesome. <laughs> yeah, well, I was so happy to talk to you. So thank you for having me. Well, thank you so much for joining us this week, listeners. We hope you guys enjoyed this episode. If you have any questions for myself or for Meg, please feel free to reach out. Um, and we hope you have a great weekend. Talk to you soon. Bye.